I already opened my my beer. I can't make any fun sounds. I opened mine too, but I have a second one in the wings. Oh, excellent, excellent. I uh, I should have brought a second one over. I'm going to have to detangle myself from everything if we're recording, and I need to get another beer. That's complicated. Mm. Yeah, you probably won't make it through the one you've got because you're too tired. I, I am tired. I am tired. Mm-hmm. When when are we going to start that other podcast we keep talking about? I don't know. Whenever you get done traipsing all over the countryside, touring colleges. I I have a name for it. And and abbreviated, it's Gadgkast Mom Knit Dweeb. Ah. And that stands for Greg and James complain about shit that might or might not have to do with beer. That sound about right? Sounds about right, yep. Okay. Because, you know, the world needs another form of media to middle-aged white guys complaining about stuff well I mean, the difference being we have a a track record over the past three four years now of complaining in a, quite an entertaining manner ah well i'm glad that you think it's entertaining i do good i do i can point at you know, five people that you know out there <laughs> you know that also agree it's entertaining well those five people better be pretty proud of themselves uh-huh. the only reason we're sticking around Multiply it by, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand, and that's that them's Joe Rogan numbers. All right, you bet. Mm-hmm. I got plans. I got plans. Do you? Yeah. This will be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this will be interesting. I have I have energy. See, I have energy to put into this. I can feel well, it. You just said you were so tired. You don't, you're, you're just like, ah. Oh. I'm, I'm trying to give you a segue, dude. Work with me. Uh, oh, you're trying. Work with me. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to give you I'm, a segue. <laughs> you're dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hold on. Hold on. Mm. Yeah. That's much better. Wow. You, you really can't do uh, any sensory when you're slurping. It does not work. Not so much. No. On a variety so of levels, much. it just it really doesn't work with the sensory. Speaking of which, you had a fun week. I did. Yep, I was down at Siebel again, which will. I had some interesting findings from this trip, so we'll we'll record about that at a later time. That's not the thesis statement of this episode, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was posting pictures on the Discord of what was going on down there and the various sensory experiments we were doing. Taking my name in vain the whole time. Of course. Yep. Uh, it's all all in the name of science. <laughs> I don't know. Some of those pictures you sent me didn't appear very scientific. So, well, it so, started out that some way. Some of them did. It's all about the context. Yes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, we're gonna get we're gonna get back to it here. So we've been doing kind of a a dip into the classics um, of of late, and we want to get back to doing more uh well this one's going to be sciencey science mm-hmm. but uh let's just get back to doing more more episodes of talking about some of the stuff that uh that continues to pop up even if we've already talked about it we can put it into new context sure. so uh it was interesting because i've I, i'm getting um literally uh let's see where's my phone literally updates from New Zealand hop farmers starting their harvest about every hour, <laughs> <laughs> sending me IMs and pictures and stuff. Oh, so gosh. I'm seeing some trends. I've granted it's one season's worth of data, but I'm like, well, this is what the data say. You know, I'm seeing some varietal responses based on incident solar radiation, and you've got some really wacky uh, 
evapotranspiration charts here. You've got like one day, it's just like crazy off the, off the charts almost. And the next day it's like completely crashing. What's going on? I'm trying to figure this stuff out. And I'm like, we're going to talk about this because the questions are consistent. No matter who I'm talking to, if grower that I'm talking to, and it comes to looking at all of these factors that layer on top of each other and how to actually start getting your head around it to see a, if there's even anything that you can draw a conclusion about, because you may not be able to draw a conclusion about it, but you just can't throw up your arms and be like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess you could, but, uh, but you know, you're not, you're not going to have a, a successful operation doing that. So I'm like, all right, how do I, so I was trying to explain to this grower, um, about, well, a different grower, not the one with the ET, the evapotranspiration on a different grower, but same day, <laughs> uh, that was having a different, different data sets, different, different issues. And I was trying to explain, you know, walk them back and say, okay, you've got all of these compounding factors. How confident are you that it is just that thing or this thing, right? Sure. It's like, well... You know, I, I saw something similar like this, you know, a few years ago, and it was this. I'm like, okay, well, that's fine. We can use that as a hypothesis, but you can't just make a jump unless you're sure. Are you sure? Well, no, because it looks a little different. I'm like, okay, now we have to examine this a little deeper. So I started thinking about how am I going to explain ultimately what I spent eight years in college studying? <laughs> how, how am I going to, how am I going to break this down? Because we've talked about this in the past and I know that we've mentioned it a bit before when talking about, you know, how to figure out and diagnose things that are going on in the hop yard. How do, how do I know what's this and not that? And we, you know, we did some flashcard things where you were asking me questions and I was asking you questions back and trying to ultimately be a detective, right? It's because right. there's so many of those inputs and outputs to, I was just I was I was going to say to eliminate, but it's not necessarily a, a an elimination exercise because they have synergistic and and deleterious effects on one another. So it's a system, mm -hmm. and it comes from experience. It's the it, it comes back to that choose your own adventure, you know, book model. But you, you need to already know all the paths. Pretty much, at least have an awareness of them. And, and when you are stumped, it's usually because you have not accounted for or are aware of a path. Yeah. And, and you know, the, the way you're explaining this, I, we've talked about experimental design in the past mm -hmm. and the idea that if you're actually going to run a controlled experiment, you can only change one thing. Right. That which is not realistic on a farm when you get one shot a year. And by the way, Weather is never consistent, among other things. Weather being the one that the, the, the probably the biggest thing you absolutely cannot control, and I and I include kind of irrigation in that mix with weather. So, I, I think part of this of knowing what questions to ask and and trying to be able to break components down is is first the observation of what is different from the last time you saw something that looked like this. Mm -hmm. That's once you have that that mental library built up. But the, the thing that I, th the, the place I think most people fall down, even when they have a built up mental library is they, they don't have a good, a good sense for the underlying principles 
that drive all of these variables. Because as you start, I mean, as a grower, sit down and start making a list of all the variables that feed into your operation. Uh, ones that you can control, ones that you can't, ones that, I mean, just they're man-made, ones that are nature, market conditions, all these things. And you're going to end up with way more than 30. And if we use Dan Carey's acknowledgement of you only have 30, 30 times at hop growing before you're dead. Or wannabe. <laughs> or wannabe, right, yeah. You don't have enough enough lifespan and enough ultimately sustainability in order to test all the permutations. So what do you got to do? You're like, well, I can't test all these things. I can't run them up and just do like a statistical analysis to figure out, you know, run some sort of AI simulator on it and tell you what's going to happen. You have to, you have to make some assumptions, but those assumptions are not just pulled out of your ass. They are based on a few fundamental principles. And I don't think that we've ever really talked about these fundamental principles. And if we can teach growers and I mean, hell, brewers can use this too in their in their brewery operations to help do root cause analysis. But you know, we'll we'll use these these principles. In frankly, it's going to end up being a series of episodes where we can take a look at applying these same principles across various sets of of variables to say how would we go about doing this. And in a nutshell, I mean, uh, to sum it up. What we're talking about is environmental biophysics. Super fancy term. That was a long intro. That was. <laughs> intro, I thought I thought that was the conclusion, and that's, next week we're going to talk about that, no? Good night, everybody. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about it right now. So let's talk about this concept of environmental biophysics and break it down, right? So environmental, another way you could turn those around. Turn this around, we could say biophysical environment. A biophysical environment, right, is a, well, the actual definition is biotic and abiotic surroundings of an organism and consequently includes factors that have an influence on its vigor and survival. So what does biotic and abiotic mean? It means living and non-living surroundings on an, on an organism or a population. It could be people. It could be ants soil microbes or in our case hot plants are we going to get back into that dead versus very dead thing with the soil? oh no 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 okay, no, 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 no 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 that should no, be a gonna, that should be a binary gonna... situation i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> well unless you're in the princess bride and then you can be mostly dead otherwise mostly dead you know right right so we're going to talk about this concept of all the factors surrounding let's say a target in this case our target is our hop yard living system that influence their survival, development, and ultimately evolution in some cases. It can be really microscopic, like in, in future episodes, dive into the, the principles around the living systems in the soil and what are those variables that influence certain things. Uh, give you a sneak peek. We don't know a lot, <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll talk about the ones that we do know about. Um, and it comes to things that are abiotic or, or non-living like the weather and you know because I was, I was going to say because the idiot on the tractor that runs over and, and, and mows down the wrong row hops but then the tractor is non-living but the idiot who is ultimately responsible is living so that would be a biotic factor true whether they should be or not it's a different story mm, they probably won't be once you find out mm -hmm. they will be very dead 
you, you you used a word in the initial definition that I don't want to lose sight of, and that was vigor. Um, vigor. Because it's, it's so important. Because I, I joke about the binary state of living versus non-living, but just because you kept your hops alive doesn't mean they are uh, they are quality. <laughs> no, and some, some years the best you can do is keep them alive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you should. If, if you've accounted for your inputs and your outputs appropriately, then you shouldn't be surprised by the fact that that's the best that you did. Mm-hmm. Fair. <laughs> so I think a life, you know, it's a lifetime of living through all of these scenarios that give old timers the perspective to know what to do, when to do it. And to young kids, I'm like these, these, these are wizards, right? It's like, how do, how do they know this stuff? Um, they, they get a feel for it. And I, I remember, uh, my grandfather was a farmer. I remember him saying similar things. It's like, what? Well, basically, you've been—you get your ass whooped enough, you know—you know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing to consider, I would say, that the primary principle that we have to take away here is this concept of energy flow in the environment. So the energy comes from somewhere, and we've talked about this in other episodes, like around photosynthesis. The energy comes from the sun. The energy in our entire world uh, on the planet Earth comes from the sun. Even the the geophysical energy of volcanoes and things like that, all of that is due to gravity, which comes from orbiting the sun. There's a there's a energy input that is finite. It's not infinite. And the same thing goes with our hop yard. We have to have an energy input. And in many cases, it's multiple inputs, not just one. It's multiple inputs. To get the thing up and running as a farm, as a living system, takes a big push of energy. Usually, it's your back muscles and your bank account. But you get this infusion of energy in the system and sort of get it up to speed, right? And then you're sort of like coasting. Or like you want to think that, okay, I've, I've got to this point. This is all I need to do. Now I can just pedal enough to keep me going because the ground is flat. And I said... That's a good analogy, James, because Greg loves cycling so yes, much. We're going to use we're going to use cycling metaphors here. <laughs> that works. That absolutely yes, works. Right. So so we spend all this energy. Let's say you got to, I don't know, spend twenty five years since I've ridden a bike. But what do they got? Like 80, 89 gears now. Uh, no, um, thirty. Let's let's say ten. <laughs> yeah, let's okay. say ten for ease. But let's go back to my nineteen seventy nine and my ten speed bike. And trying to start off in 10th gear, you're going to break something. Mm-hmm. So you have to start out in a smaller gear and then work your way up. But even then, you're putting a lot of lot of energy in to get you moving, right? So this concept in physics of an object at rest tends to stay at rest. Sure. An object in motion tends to stay in motion. It's easier to add little energy to keep it moving than it is to add a bunch of energy to stop something that's moving. Your hop yard takes a lot of energy. You have to dump a lot of energy into it to get it going. So you start pedaling really hard. You're like, oh, your, your legs are burning, right? But you finally get up to speed. And now you're like, okay, I'm, I'm coasting along. I got my plants in the ground. I've got maybe a harvest, maybe two behind me. I'm taking my lumps. I'm like, I got this, right? And then here comes a hill. You don't shift gears. So now you've got a drag on the system. You've built up all this energy in your hop yard you're kind of understanding the inputs and the outputs and you're feeling pretty good and then virus hits Uh oh now what that's a that's a hill now you're gonna have to puddle up the hill those those of you out there the three or four of you that uh are as old or older than me and greg will remember back when we were kids 
on our bikes. If we wanted to have lights on our bikes at night, you had these little things that were called generators. And, and they, there's this little, little gadget that rubbed against your tire and legit, legitimately just spun this generator and turned the lights on. And man, you would be hauling ass and you'd reach back with your heel and kick that thing over. And it's like somebody threw on the emergency brakes. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, right. And it's like adding this, what is it? You're adding an extra load into the system. Yeah. And in this case with a hop yard where you've dumped your energy in, you're feeling really good about it. Boom. The drag that hits you is virus or boom. The drag that hits you is a sinkhole swallows your tractor. (laughs) Drought. Um, yeah. drought yeah whatever it happens to be and so it's like wham you you hit that and it's like okay now i guess that is that drag added load for the long term or is that drag just a a blip so is the is the generator kicked on and you're gonna have to ride that sucker all the way home and you've got like 10 more miles to go or is it just a small hill that you have to pedal up knowing that you're gonna coast down the other side because you've you've dumped that energy into that very, very, very similar to what's going on in the hop yard. The idea that we want to keep a steady speed, right? We want to keep, our goal is to stay at a steady velocity, a steady speed on our hop yard bicycle. And when we get, when we encounter drag, whether that's a hill or our generator, we have to dump more energy into it to stay at the same speed, right? Or, or adjust your shift, adjust your gears, adjust your infrastructure. So you have to change the equation, but one way or the other, you're adjusting the system to maintain, let's say a constant velocity. Yep. Let's say as a hop yard, you're adjusting the system to try and maintain a adequate yield, uh, adequate quality within those parameters, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, 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 a fundamental principle in the study of biology called homeostasis and homeostasis is we want to keep a balance sometimes we have to put energy in sometimes we have to let it burn off excess energy like when you're going down a hill and you don't want to go so damn fast (laughs) (laughs) so you're going to break right you're going to put energy in in order to to meter out the the all of that energy that you dumped into it the potential energy is by going up the hill so this concept of homeostasis is really fundamental to living systems. Living systems require the expenditure of energy to stay alive and to stay vigorous. One of the measures of cellular death is measuring the electrical potential between the inside and the outside of a cell membrane. Because when cell death occurs, there is no more electrical potential. It's it's reached a lowest state. The entire universe wants to tend towards chaos, right? It's the law of entropy. Everything goes from an ordered system to a disordered system, just the way it's going to be. And it's going to take energy to bring that system back to order, whether that energy is you yelling at your kids to clean their room, or that energy is 20 people coming over to help you put poles upright because you just got a massive storm that went through or whatever it happens to be, you want to get back to homeostasis. You want to get back to that balanced middle ground. It's going to take energy to get back there. Sure. That is the entire basis upon which I 
build my all of my um, deductive reasonings when people come to me with the hop yard issues. I think the, the absolute thing that is critical here and the assumption that we have to make, informed assumption, is that we are putting in the effort, the energy, whatever that happens to be, to keep our, our hop yard at a, a level of production, of health. Now, your level and my level may be two different things. Just like your comfortable cycling speed and my comfortable cycling speed may be two different things. Homeostasis does not consider how much energy went in to get the system where it is. Homeostasis considers how much energy does it take to keep the system where it's at. It's a very important distinction. Mm -hmm. So for, for these two different hop yards, if you've got grass up to your eyeballs and you've got bind borer and you're hitting 400 pounds to the acre if you're lucky and that's your steady state right that's your homeostatic state it's not going to take much to slow you way down <laughs> right sure. so that that event that comes up in front of you you know the hill that comes up in front of you doesn't have to be a big hill but it could stop you compared to the other farm that is let's call it a tighter operation higher yields, cleaner fields. There's been more energy invested in that system to keep it stable. It's going to be able to deal with and rebound from bigger and bigger uh, drags that are put in front of it. Right. It, it may be able to power through. Or at the very least, you, you, get more, you get more lead time to correct, to course correct. Correct. Yep, absolutely. And ultimately, it doesn't... It, the response that we put in as part of that exercise to keep things in balance, to keep things in homeostasis could be many, many things. Yeah, it could be the time to respond. It could be could be the, the magnitude of the response. Yeah, and, and to be clear, it's that other hop farm that, you know, maybe can power through a bit. It, doesn't ha it has nothing to do with, with size. It's not you're a two-acre farm and they're a 10-acre farm, and that's why they can account for this. It's, it's much more about... Um, your your the ability to pivot and how organized your infrastructure is in order to allow you to react so this is not, this is not a size thing i well a, a size can help size can help yeah size size can help buffer so think mm -hmm. about the size of a yard or size of an operation as like a flywheel think about it as mass so again we go back to physics we talk about inertia Inertia is, you know, the energy that's behind a moving object, mass times velocity. So objects with a higher mass and a high velocity have a lot of inertia. They're hard to stop, right? <laughs> right. So, so you can throw little little hills in their way, and they're just going to go up and over them and up and over them and up and over them. So, so size can help, but what, what it cannot do, or how do I say this? I don't care how big you are as a farm, how much mass you have, the, those hills that are thrown in front of you are going to take energy out of the system. You're going to have to respond at some point to bring your, you back into homeostasis. Oftentimes what happens is the choice that we make for homeostasis is dropping back to a lower energy state just altogether. We could say, you know what, I'm big enough to handle this, you know, and that and the other thing. But when I come out the other end of it, 
I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to have fallen off my bike, but I'm going to have lost a lot of speed. Sure. So the only way I'm getting that speed back is to dump energy in the system. And what is that energy going to be? So there's no free lunch here, regardless. Always my first go-to when I'm thinking about problem solving, when I'm thinking about this entire environment of physical biology, biophysics, I'm thinking about energy. How balanced is this system? Because a system needs to be properly balanced in order to be the most productive it can be. And anytime there's a, a wobble in the system, you're, that's going to be evident in the system output. So the system output in our case is going to be, let's say, yield and quality. Generally, the two metrics that we're most interested in. Yep. How do we deal with, how do we account for all of those things that are going to make us wobble as it relates to our quality and our quantity? And then I start making a list in my mind. Okay, what are the factors that I'm that I'm looking at here? Which ones seem to play into what I'm witnessing or what I'm concerned about like for next year when I'm planning? What I what I know is is a potential issue. For instance, in uh let's see. Right now, growers in North America are starting to prep for for the season. And there is a certain amount of inertia that the system has coming through the winter. We had a good harvest last year. We know what our plant health looks like. We have an idea of what our, our yield this year is going to look like. We've taken the time to make sure that we have all of our fertilizer lined up. We've taken the time to make sure we have all of our agrochemicals lined up. All of our equipment is operational. All of the energies that it takes to run that farm, we're dumping in just to keep the system in balance. Because if we don't do that up front, the system's going to start to wobble. We may be able to, to, to get it rebalanced, but it's going to be at a lower energy state. And what that means for us is lower quality and lower yield. So we have to, even when we're at a, at a good, got a good momentum behind us, we still got to keep putting that energy into the system. And I see so many times, certainly small growers, where they get to like year three and whatnot um, and, and, and beyond, and it's just not fun anymore. Because they found that they keep having to invest energy into that system. And they're like, it's not getting any, quote, better. My yields aren't getting any better. My quality isn't getting better my yard is not expanding. I'm not taking over the corner of the market. Okay, good observation. You haven't put enough energy into the system. That's that's it, plain and simple. Now, you're just like, I can't be out there. I'm already working 80 hours a week. Well, maybe it's not 100% physical labor. What are the other factors that are required to keep your system, your hop production company, balanced? Loads and loads and loads of variables. Which ones are causing you to wobble? Which ones do you have enough inertia to be able to power through? Knowing that, okay, I got to throw a little bit extra weight in on the back end in order to get my flywheel back up to speed. But beside that, 
frankly, just a matter of your system is out of balance. Your business is out of balance. You have not put in enough on one side to keep the other side balanced. So as a relatively new hop grower who hasn't seen all of the, uh, all of, all of the horror movie tropes <laughs> that a long-term <laughs> grower has seen, how do you even recognize when you're out of balance? That's a, that's a really good question. Um, how do you recognize when you're out of balance? See, I'm listening. <laughs> well, I, I heard you snoring there a little while ago. You didn't think I did. But, um, I usually cut all that out for the crowd, oh, good. but maybe I'll just okay. leave it in this time. I need, I need um, a little nap. Mm-hmm. How do you know when you're out of balance? The, I think that the first, <laughs> you know, the, the <laughs> giggle because I'm like, how do you know when you're out of balance? Well, Usually when it's too that's late. <laughs> that, that's assuming that first-time growers are balanced to begin with. <laughs> yeah. um, because usually the expectations are inappropriate. Well, sure. Sure. And so that, that sets up a bad dynamic. Assuming that those expectations are set appropriately, how do you know when you're out of balance? Usually, you have to find the horizon, as I call it. It's the same reason why a lot of people get motion sick is because they can't see the horizon when they're moving they, and their balance gets off. So the horizon in most cases here is looking around at other hop growers and what, what they're doing, what is the expectation, right? So as a, as a first time hop grower, you're into year three and you're like, why am I not hitting 2000 pounds the acre? <laughs> <laughs> well, you just realize, well, what are you at? I'm at 200. Yeah, there's a problem. You're out of balance. So we're looking around and we're, we're, you know, checking our peripheral vision to see, are we tracking? Are we in line with what is known already? If you were to say, James, I'm, my farm's way out of balance. You know, I'm, I'm, my yield is, 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 I'm just dying over here. I'm like, well, what are you at? You know, was, I'm, I'm only at, you know, 1600 pounds of the acre on a, on a variety that might max out at 19. Like, you're not that out of balance. I'm like, over how many years? Well, last year was really good, and this year's kind of low. I'm like, geez, get over yourself. <laughs> you're, you're not that out of balance. You might have had a little tiny wobble. You might have hit a pebble. But some growers freak out like that. They're just like, I don't get it because my spreadsheet said I need to make 2,000 pounds a year for the next 35 years in order to break even. <laughs> I'm like, well, <laughs> good luck with that. Watching, benchmarking with other growers, talking with other people, talking to other growers in the Discord. Um that's how one checks their balance. And hopefully they've done enough homework to, to understand, at least in a gross sense, uh, that they have enough balance so they're not going to fall off the bike too many times. You're going to fall. It's going to happen. Oh, sure. It's going to fall. So this, this conversation, I realize, has been kind of very esoteric. But the, the fun of these principles are going to underlie and everything we're going to be talking about. You know, let's say we go to talk about what is the impact of soil health, quote unquote, to plant vigor and fertilizer efficiency? Well, we're going to look at the soil as the bike here, right? That's the thing we're trying to keep balanced. And so what are the inputs and the outputs? How much are we dumping in and what's getting burned off? What's going to cause us to wobble? And what does that wobble going to do to the other factors around us? For instance, 
we're not just riding a bike. We're juggling while we're riding a bike. <laughs> <laughs> we can wobble and we can get our balance back, but we may, we may drop a few balls along the way. And that's just got to be expected. So then the question is, all right, not only do I want to get back into balance, but now the game is to get back into balance by dropping as few balls as possible. So which balls am I going to let drop? In scenarios where I'm fortunate enough to be able to assign <laughs> which which factor I'm gonna I'm going to you know eat so to speak. Right. Sometimes you have no choice <laughs> when things are well, way right. out of balance. And, and so it's like it's it's I think it's it's not how hard a punch you can take. It's getting back up again or something along those lines. Well, I think that's no, kind of it's like going. that. But eh, no, it's not where I was going. Where I was going was sort of like you know. Um, Oh, it was a South Park reference. <laughs> okay. I was far was away South, from that. It was, yeah, way far off. It was a South Park reference where their kids were had a, um, basically the whole town was in an uproar over the mascot. They're changing the mascot for the school. And they had to choose between a douchebag and a turd sandwich as their mascots. <laughs> <laughs> and there's this whole big two-part thing about basically voting and, and, and the democracy and things of that nature and at the very end it's like well son i guess you just have to realize that sometimes in life you just have to choose between a douchebag and a turd sandwich <laughs> that that is a fantastic <laughs> life lesson it is and which is to say you cannot believe in no win situations <laughs> you could say i don't believe in no win situations captain kirk that's great that doesn't mean they don't exist <laughs> so you will be faced with make you know choosing the lesser of those two evils so to speak on what thing to allow to drop in your system to allow you to compensate for your wobble this goes for running any business really it's not just about hops but it's this concept of looking at the inputs and the outputs of the system and what are what is the impact of those inputs and outputs on the overall wobble or homeostasis of what it is you're trying to achieve. And that's what we base all of our methodologies around. In the Hopyard one, we're certainly trying to diagnose and critique technical applications of things. It's easy. It's just a couple of things. Yeah, yeah. Just balance. Yeah, it's just balance. How hard can it be? Gadgetcast Mom Knit Tweet.